I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to another episode here at View from the Bullins. I am, of course, The Bobble. And joining me is two very, very special guests today, Katie Carter to my left and Dave Witchley to my right. Guys, we're going to talk about all things Everton. It's, it's quite quiet at the moment during the summer, especially when it concerns Everton and transfers. But we're going to try and dive deeper into the bigger picture here. And we're going to start off everything that's going off off the field. And we're going to start off with communication to the fans. Dave, I'm going to come to you first. Communication to the fans is obviously a big thing amongst Evertonians right now. A lot of Evertonians are waiting for a communication from Kevin Thalwell to talk about what is the plan going forward. There's that supposed interview or video that was recorded. It hasn't been published by Everton for maybe one reason or another. The Thalwell interview first, do you think he should now come out and really push on and explain to the fans why it is such a quiet window? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, we all know that it's going to be a hard summer for Everton Football Club. The fans aren't silly. You know, I think scousers in general like honesty. Uh, they like to know things that, you know, that like us to wear, wear our hearts and our sleeves, talk about what's going on. But I think the problem is it's, it, this is not like this summer. It's been a, a lack of communication probably for around three to five years now, if not a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, speaking to Joe Thomas not long ago on, on a podcast and Joe was talking about even the media finding it hard to get information from Everton Football Club at the moment. And I, I think we, we're all feeling it. Uh, I remember speaking to the club um, when the Carlo Ancelotti rumours were happening, uh, when he was still manager at the football club, and uh, and they refused to come out and, uh, and communicate because they said, we don't comment on speculation. Mm. You know, it's a club standpoint that that's how they operate. The world's changed. <coughs> you know, we live in the social media age now, content Providers are everywhere, aren't they? We're sat on one now talking about, uh, and fans want that 365 days, 24 7 access to the football club. They like to talk about it. And what my frustration is, and what fans' frustrations tend to be, is that if the club don't actually communicate, people fill the voids. So you hear all kinds of, you know, stories, whether they're right or wrong, Mm. getting published, you know, in different publications up and down the country. We are a bit of a laughing stock at the moment, let's be honest. Um, and, you know, we're looking at it now and we're hearing people say we've got no money, we're not going to do anything in the transfer window. All the rumours are rife. We don't need to know the ins and outs mm. of a duck's backside. But what would what be nice to know is actually that there's a plan 
Yeah. You know, that the actually, look, we, let's be honest, we are in a bit of a tricky situation, but this is how we're going to tiptoe around it. You know, we might have to be shrewd for a couple of summers, you know, and we're looking at the stadium. Our commercial opportunities will then open up and then we will start to spend a little bit more. You don't have to tell us the ins and the outs. And I think that's been compounded by the club uh, promising to the fans forum to improve communications. Mm. I think it was poor by the fans forum. I'm being honest. I think the way they communicated that whole thing was 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 pretty shocking uh, online on Twitter. Um, and I think all that frustration that's been brewing up has all come out this summer. Mm. And and you know, and we're still not hearing anything at all. Not even <coughs> a pin drop. Well, I want to talk to you about that that incident with the fans forum, Katie. I think you can probably explain it quite well. What actually happened? Because not everybody's on Twitter. So that was where it was kind of happening. The fans forum said or believed that there was going to be an interview imminently. You tell us what happened, how it transpired. And like David just said, he thinks that the fans forum have potentially got it wrong here. I think they come out, didn't they? They put in a tweet or something like, um, the end of the month, there will be an interview. The end of the month. This is the fans forum talking, the fans yeah. Forum, yeah. And I think they actually tweeted that within their monthly update, what they do. Mm-hmm. And obviously, come to the end of the month, no interviewers. <laughs> no interview <laughs> took place. No interviews. They no nothing. And then, um, I think they actually said, you know, it, it will be coming out of you know the club have basically said to us, you know, it, it's done, and they'll, you know, we're just waiting on them as such thing. Mm-hmm. Still no interview. Um, it turns out I don't think any interviews actually even been done. So something's gonna miss. Yeah. Obviously miscommunication which comes down to communication again so it's one of them where you're just like well what's going on has he done the interview or hasn't he <laughs> um, a few of us have been told he hasn't done the interview um, you know at the same time also why, why is he going to put his face on the camera and and be yeah a, a part of get should he update fans but should it be him that has to update the fans I don't think it should mm. be personally I think so who do you think it should be I think it should be the owner the owner or the chairman should be coming out and basically saying, you know, his hands are tied behind his back mm. for one. Do you know what I mean? I think you see a lot of people. And for one, also, you don't know what players he was behind signing fully last mm. summer. You, you don't really know because the club was is that much of a miss, especially at board level. You know, no one's had a set job when, yeah. the, when the full board was in place, you know. You've got the owner signing things off. You've got the chairman signing things off. You've got Denise apparently signing things off. So no one's actually had a set job. Who who did he sign? So I think he's getting quite a few pelters, I think, on social media at the minute. But I think it's quite unfair to, to direct it at him because, let's be honest, this has been going on for a long time now, way before he come, way before the past three managers have been here. You know, it's not solely down to him. He's got his hands tied behind his back mm. because we haven't got a pot to piss in. That's not his fault. He hasn't ruined the football club in that sense. Kevin Thelwell hasn't run this club into the ground. The owner and the chairman have and the old board, they were they were, you know, they are fully responsible and accountable for this. It's not for him to come on a camera and say, Listen, we don't have no money and we have to do this. That's for the, the owner. But Will they come out and be accountable and responsible? Of course not, but they'll come out and blow smoke up each other's ass. That's what they'll do. Mm. They won't go. Listen, this is our fault. Why we can't sign nobody? That's not down to Kevin Thelwell, but the whole interview situation, going back to that, you know, either either one of them has been thrown under the bus, either the fans forum has been thrown under the bus by the club, or vice versa. So who's telling the truth as such? They've been told interviews took place, but... 
you now know got no interviews to mm. think so who's lying for one you wouldn't really know would you so another you know. Everton circus of course yeah mm. I get that I totally get that so <coughs> looking at the bigger picture the way Everton finished the season last season obviously it was a big struggle we just about stayed up by the skin of our teeth given how it went the previous year after that I know it's modern football and we're going to touch on modern football shortly but I know it's modern football Dave do you think the club owed it to the fans to come out and say, right, we've had two seasons of struggle, not touch on commercial sensitivities or financial sensitivities, but this is where we're going to try and take this club. We admit we've made mistakes. This, do you think they owed the club that, or, or the fans that, sorry? Absolutely. Um, I think it's it, I mean, it's been quite farcical, the carry-on for the last couple of years, and you know, not spending in transfer windows, not really communicating why, um, you know, people just second-guessing. Um, I think they absolutely needed to come out. And, that, and that, the only two times that we've actually heard from them, as Katie kind of alluded to in, in, in what she was saying there, was, was well, firstly, Mashiri coming back saying how fantastic the board of directors were. Mm. Well, 75% of that board of directors have since walked, um, you know, and we're hopefully going to see the other fella disappear very shortly. And, and that other fella in question, Chairman Bill, as he likes to call himself, coming out and saying how wonderful the boards of directors are that have just gone as well. So, I mean... Is that communication? You know, it just feels as though it's all very, very staged. Um, you know, it does feel like it's a bit of a, you know, a theatre act. And yeah. It, give us something meaningful. They've got rid of the uh, annual general meetings. That was an opportunity um, for, you know, shareholders to ask Was questions. that a disappointment to you? Well, I, I mean, I'm not a shareholder, but, you know, let, let's be honest, Marshall Brands came on on one of them and, and discussed a plan discussed how the you know the club intended mm-hmm. to get to to it's certainly a direction of where it wanted to be which is in the European places uh, and there was you know at least a form of accountability in terms of shareholders being able to ask senior executives uh, at the club questions now Mashiri obviously got rid of that um or Bill Kenwright or whoever actually made that decision decided to get rid of the annual general me- general meetings and they, they actually stated that at that time that they were going to do more regular and meaningful communications with mm-hmm. fans and that would include opportunities to ask questions um, to be held to account and, and everything in between <coughs> fan advisory boards being set up since then uh, but they're not even bo- they haven't bothered the backsides turning up at their meetings so where, where is the opportunity to communicate to fans what is the point at the moment in that fan advisory boards? turning up at the Royal Liver Building if, you know, we've got no boards, we've got an interim board, no one knows what's going on. It just seems an absolute mess and there's no one with, you know, <laughs> with the balls to actually put the big boy pants on and come mm. out and say, look, this is this is a, this is a bit of a mess, but this is the way we're going to solve this, you know, and it's not going to be overnight. But but be honest with us, stop hiding away, you know, remain in the Ivory Towers and, and just think that everything's going to, get better, that there isn't going to be, uh, you know, a sunshine day anytime soon. It's going to be very rainy mm. for the next couple of months, I'm sure it is, because we've not got a lot of money, as, as Katie mentioned before. So someone start taking account of the situation, take some responsibility and stand up and start talking to fans, because, yeah, <coughs> I, I absolutely do think we do, do deserve that after the last two mm. absolute disasters of seasons we've had to go through. Mm. Katie, why do you think the club don't come out and talk to the fans? Why do you think that is? I know, I know it's modern football, and I know a lot of Premier Club, Premier League clubs, they don't communicate with their fans as well as maybe they should. There is maybe the odd exception, Aston Villa, Christian Perslow, he used to sometimes come out and talk, but again, that is a rare exception. Why do you think Everton, who are so good at so many things off the field with fans, they're so good commercially at times, they're so good with charities, community work, they are so, so good, but communicating with the fans on plans going forward why we've been struggling the last couple of seasons they just don't seem to have got it right have they 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think it's because I don't think they've got a clue what they're doing. So how can you come out and, and explain to a fan base when you don't know what's going on or you've got no set plan or you don't even know what the plan is? When they do speak, well, I feel like I'm a little bit repetitive. I've been on a podcast previously and when they speak, you don't want them to speak <laughs> because you're just like, oh, God, no, please, just just shush. Like, do not say no you more. You regress asking, don't because, you? Because, <laughs> honest to God, they just like, they make it worse. They, they rile a fan base every time. So when when we speak about, when I personally speak about communication, mm. so say, for instance, that letter will come out the other week or that statement of Machiri basically saying, you know, Ken Wright staying on as interim chairman, Chong is here as the interim CEO, and I'm now on the board. Well, in what capacity is he on the board, for one? Because it just says, if you actually read the statement and... I actually said this the other week. They say an awful lot, but they don't say anything mm. at the same time. Nothing. It's like mishmash when they speak. Mm. So it says that he'll be working alongside the new financial advisor or director, whatever mm-hmm. he is. But is he going to work alongside him direct or is he going to be on the board? That's not said. So nobody knows what's happening there. Why has he come onto the board? What's his reasons behind it? Why choose now, after seven years of being the major shareholder, to now come onto the board of the football club? Is it because they need two directors on the board and, mm-hmm. and they can't just have one? Is that why he's come on it? Is he just there for the interim period? He's got a chairman on the board who's there for the interim period. How long's that interim period? Mm-hmm. If it's the 48-hour deadline, what they go by, that means he's probably still going to be there then for about another four years <laughs> if you're going off what they're going off. <laughs> and you've got Chong there, who's fantastic with the ground, can't mm-hmm. knock him for that. He's, you know, he's overseen it really well. I went there the other day myself, went to the lava buildings, a friend of ours bought hospitality. It's incredible, isn't it? Mind-blown. Yeah, it's incredible. And it blew my mind even more because, like, how can you get something so right and... Mm. Apparently, you know, Mercedes heavily involved in this. It is fantastic. We'll just touch on that. It, it is, is absolutely it's superb. Out of this world. I was gobsmacked. Mm. I'll be honest. They and show you around and they show you what it's going to look like. Yeah, the suite. It's, just, it's, it's fantastic. It's unbelievable. It's a brilliant, brilliant little visit. And he's got that so right. And am I going to give him credit for that? Yeah, because mm. because he's get he's getting mm. that bit right. How can you get that bit right? How can you get people in in all different departments the best? So you do that part, mm. you do this part, and he's getting the best around the world to do that. But you get that board and that club, which is the main thing, the not the stadium. Sides, yeah. The football, with the football club first and foremost. He's got everything so wrong in that side. Why has he got it wrong? Who's still there that's making things wrong with him? Mm. 
Do you know what I mean? Definitely. They are. It, it's a terrible combo. They're an awful duo together. They're dangerous. They're, they're dangerous together. You know, he's dangerous enough on his own. We know that. But when you've got a combination of somebody who's been there and failed and has got a, such an ego, you know, you're going to fail double, aren't you? It's going to be like double whammy. It's going to be worse. But, you know, Chong's been fantastic. Does he really have, you know, the credentials to be sitting on a Premier League board? Mm. No. You go and look at his CV. Now, I wouldn't know how to run a board, and you wouldn't, and you wouldn't, if you ran it. But you'd know the basics of it. Each each board member has an individual role. We don't have individual roles. They all just roll into one. So it's just chaos mm. between them all. It's like your board members, people, people think the owner is the one that has... <coughs> You know, I'm the one that does this. A proper run business doesn't work that way. It's the people on the board who run the club and they tell him, no, that's what should happen. But because they've been so weak, they can't do that. They haven't got the balls to go through. No, you're not doing that. We're coming, we're all sticking together and you're not making that decision. So all this just rolls into one, doesn't it? But the communication from them is absolutely dire. Now, we're not asking them for the, the national insurance number. I don't care. Yeah. I, we just want basic, simple information. Well, do you now think, guys, do you now think that they've gone into a bunker because of, obviously, the imminent investment from MSP? Do you think they're now batting down the hatches until MSP is completed and then they may come out and talk? I, I'd suggest they've been in a bunker for 18 months. <laughs> I was going to um, say, they haven't come out the, the bunker the, for about two years. <laughs> <laughs> the only time they've been lured out is, is when they've been called out publicly. <clears throat> You know, obviously, you know, there's been letters written to, to Mashiri from various uh, campaign groups. The Fans Forum written, uh, wrote a letter to Mashiri. Mm-hmm. I think the Fan Advisory Board have wrote a letter. Every time someone challenges Paha Mashiri, does seem to come out at that point. <laughs> Probably actually don't want to listen to what he's got to say because he comes up with some absolute nonsense at times. But they, I, I don't think they've been on the front foot effectively communicating to fans for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I think it's been very reactive uh, you know, communication's a symptom of, of poor leadership. You know, I don't think it's just, just the communication. I think it's a symptom of, you know, a lack of identity, um, a lack of plan, and that all results back to poor leadership at the, the very top of the club. Um, and, and communication, it, it, it's one of the biggest indicators and symptoms, I think, of a, of a, a, a club that's lacking identity and, and lacking any leadership at all. So, yeah, you know, I think that, you know, that is there's no doubt compounded it, the fact that there is potentially new investors coming in mm. and that board's directors may look very different. But like Katie said, <coughs> even the communications around this interim period were, were just all so, so loose. You know, there was a lack of accountability, there was a lack of clarity or context to everything that they've said within that statement. Um, and, and yeah, you know, every every bit of communication leads you to, to more questions and, and, and less answers. So before we move on from this subject, I'll start with you first. If you could, if one person's going to come out and talk about where this club is going, who do you think it should be? Should be the owner. Do you think Fard Mashiri? He should he should come out, yeah, and say it because at the end of the day he owns the football club. Mm-hmm. Everything is down to him in terms of he could he can make so many decisions, he can make so many things right, but he's always chose the wrong option. He now needs people underneath him to advise him properly how to run, not just run a football club. Sadly, it's not just football anymore. It's a business. It is a business. So, 
I think I seen somebody say the other week, you know, you just need f football people on board. You don't need football people on board. You need business people on board as well. You need people who are good commercially who can take this club forward as a forward-thinking business, not just a football club. Then you'd also, of course, you need proper football people on mm. board who, you know, who know what the game is about, who understand the game, you know, not just people who are in it to make a quick book or in it just for their bank balance, which a lot of them are, you know, at the end of the day, if people want us, what, what I can't get my head around is, you know, you'd always say, like, you know, he basically undermined the board by picking Benitez. Why didn't that board just leave then? Because mm. if that was me, and apparently undermines them all the time, that can't be the case because they've all got to sign something off that, that board. They've all got to agree to it to a certain extent. But they were all happy sitting there accepting these terrible decisions but taking the money for it. Walk then. If you had any decency about yeah, I wouldn't sit there in the job and constantly be undermined by my manager. Mm. I'd be looking elsewhere. I'd be going. And I'd be like, well, I'm telling you that that's not what should happen. You know, this is exactly how it should be. He's the person who, you know, can make decisions, but he also can have them decisions taken mm. away from him if he's got proper people underneath him. I'm pretty sure whoever comes in next won't be sitting there letting him go and pick another manager. So like you that. think he's the captain of the ship? He should come out and be the one to not face the music, but come out and explain where this I club is going say for he's you. The captain of the ship? No, let's be honest. Also, on the flip side, he's been an absent owner who has allowed clowns to run the show mm -hmm. on a daily basis. You let clowns run the show, you're always going to get a circus. That's what we are. Mm -hmm. That's what we've become. He dips in and out when he please, when it when it pleases him to do so. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? He's not there all the time making them decisions. He's happily let that club go out with us, knowing, well, I've put 750 million into this. Mm. But it's an absolute shit show. Mm. That's because you've allowed the people to run it into the ground as well as yourself. They're all accountable. But there's only one person who can make them changes. Personally, I want them gone. But we have to be realistic about that. Mm -hmm. He's not going to go until that ground's built. You can go and put a machine out banner. Up, you can sing his name to get him out. He's not going to go until he gets a return on what he's put in. With him, it's not a case of if he goes, it's when he goes. He's not going to go before that ground's built because he's going to make an awful lot of money from it. Mm -hmm. And also, his shares are going to rock it mm. once that ground's complete. So, he's a businessman, first and foremost. He's going to want to see the end game of what he's, you know, what he's built is out of this world. I can't knock him for that sense. But he's going to have to be very, very careful in the next couple of years of how things go. <laughs> because we mightn't be in the Premier League, and that's a horrible thing to mm. say. But I'm not optimistic about anything, given the past two years and given the situation we're in now. I'm not like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for the season to start. I'm dreading it. Yeah. Well, we're going to touch on that. Yeah. We're going to hold so, your horses. Yeah. We're going to we're going to come <laughs> so, on to that next. He's the one that can make so many different changes. If he can get the ground so right, he can get that so yeah. right. Or can he? Personally, the sooner he goes, the better for me. So, so. for you, Fad Mashiri should be the one to come out and, and talk. Dave, same question to you. Out of everyone that's involved with Everton Football Club, who do you think should be the one to come out? I do think it's a difficult one, isn't it? Uh, and sorry, this is probably not the fast answer you wanted, but 
I think um, we haven't got a communicator at the club, which is a mm-hmm. real issue. Um, and we're asking for communication, so that's something they're going to have to solve to bridge the gap between the fans uh, and the club. Because I don't know if they won't expect a Graham Sharp to be that man, but you know, let's be honest, he's 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 not you know the favourite mm. universally at the moment with the fans. Albeit you know that certain quarters obviously still see him as that player who was, and, and rightly so, he was a legend at this football club. But since then, what he's done at the boards. Has he really performed? I don't think so. Um, has he really got the respect of the fans to talk to him at the moment? Probably not, and he's since walked away. So I think they're struggling for a strong communicator at the football club at this present time. Farhad Mashiri, we've heard him on Sky Sports, Talk Sports, and anything in between, and, and each time, well, that, that tragic interview with the fan advisory board as well, which was, it was quite laughable. It became more about, you know, was he actually in the same room with the fan advisory board chair, or wasn't he? as opposed to the actual messaging, you know, because it was that badly produced. Um, so they're going to struggle. But if it's about football, I, I do think Felwell should should come out. But I do understand what Katie's saying. I, I can see why he'd be reluctant. I could see why Marcel Brands would be reluctant because they've got a reputation as well to, to preserve. And if they're not being allowed or empowered to make football decisions and people are, are dipping in and interfering, then, you know, maybe, maybe that's why he doesn't want to come out. And maybe that's why the interview hasn't come out yet because he's reluctant for it. And, mm. and you know, or, or maybe that's why he doesn't want to film it in the first place because he doesn't feel like he's been able to do his job because of the interference. And again, th- that's a symptom of what? Poor leadership at the top of the football club. So I think we're going around in a circus. We do need strong leadership that comes into the football club. And as part of that, we need strong communicators and good communicators and people that are prepared to be honest up front and communicate with the fans on the front foot and, mm. and and you know that's only then when you start <coughs> to see a plan that you might see some of this relationship that's broken down so badly repaired but it's going to take a long time we're going to have to see evidence of a plan and a way forward I said this last night on Twitter none of us want to be negative we want mm. reasons to be positive we want to love our football club for all the right reasons again but they need the football club when I say they need to give us a reason to be hopeful again, give us a way forward, show us a plan, and you will see this fan mm. base unite like like you know Norfolk because we've got that stadium coming out. Give of us the a grounds. roadmap. Give us a roadmap. Give us a sensible plan and, and you'll see a different fan base. I'm sure mm. you will. Mm. So right, so moving on from that then guys, we're currently in the middle of July. It's the summer transfer window. Everton have bought in one transfer, which was Ashley Young on a free transfer, and ten players have actually left Everton. Granted, one of them is Ishii Samuel-Smith, who is only 17. But nevertheless, 10 players have departed the club and won in. Given where we were at the end of last season, a threadbare squad, quite an injury-ridden squad at times as well. Katie, I'll come to you first with this one. Are you surprised, given where we are now in the middle of July, that it is only one in and 10 out? Were you expecting maybe a couple more in at this point? No. I listened to your hands up on the way. I was actually going to ask the same question. Um, no, I didn't. You thought we'd only have one, maybe? I didn't expect any, simply because we knew the financial situation. We knew. But given the financial situation, sorry to interject, given the yeah. financial situation, given we knew we were going into the summer with one arm tied behind our back, Kevin Thalwell knew that, Dan Purdy knew that, the current board or whatever's left of it knew that, we knew that as a football club. We had two plans. If Everton got relegated into the Championship, they had one strategy. If Everton stayed in the Premier League, they had another strategy. Do you still think, when I've told you all that, and you know all this, but the pair of you know this, only one signing body in the middle of the joint. Do you think that's really acceptable, given, acceptable, given what we, how we ended the season and that the fact that... Ta- ex- I know the window hasn't closed. I know that. 
But the fact that we're trying to give Sean Dyche and his staff the best possible chance in keeping this club above water. It's not acceptable whatsoever, but I expected it. And the simple reason I expected it is because they're financially in disarray. And also, the people who are still there negotiating these deals, mm. I'm not surprised. It mm. doesn't shock me. Things needed to change. And this is where it comes back to Machiri making these decisions. He had a chance three weeks ago, four weeks ago, to change this situation as such. Now, I'm not saying we can go and spend millions. We can't. But we know about Mr Negotiator. He probably but there is deals to be had. You don't have to this. spend millions. There is course, deals to be had. Of course there is. But can this person who's negotiating these deals get them deals over the line? No. Like me and Ben had a discussion the other week in the group and he used Brighton as an example. Mm-hmm. And I said, I wish we'd done business like Brighton. There's there's players out there who who you can go and sign for two, four million mm. who are good <coughs> players, established players in other leagues, the good players, that's what Brighton have done. Mm. And they're a fantastic side, Brighton. They're just short of a couple of forwards to make them a really good team. They play great football. They've kept that going when a new manager come in. And Ben was like, but they've just signed James Milner. I said, but that was by choice. We've signed Ashley Young. Not against Ashley Young, by the way. Because we didn't have a choice. If Sean Dyche had had an option, do you think he would have gone and signed a 38-year-old fullback? Mm. No. And Sean Dyche would probably tell you that. Of course, experience needs to come into it. I get that, because every club team needs experience. But we've got him because we had no choice but to get him because he was free. That's why that's why actually Young plays for Everton now. Brighton chose to sign Milner simply because they needed more experience. Mm. They're adding to a solid base, aren't of they? Of course they yeah. are. We're not. He's just coming in on a one-year deal as a stopgap in case we get a, an injury to Michalenko. That's why actually Young's there. It's different. The whole thing is different to, to the likes of Brighton's. They've got a platform. Mm. They've got a you know a good unit behind them who are picking these players up and have done good scouting system. They've spent the money really well, wisely. We hear the same names, figures. That's uh, all with mm. linked to on a con. Don't we look outside of the northwest? Don't we look outside like the Premier League? What the hell do we do as a scouting system? But at the same time, when you're paying clubs on Klarna. And they don't want to accept it, and they need big money up front. Mm. You're only going to get nothing against them. You're only going to get your more pays, because your other clubs, if they're taken, I'll take fifty pence for the next hundred years, mm. and that's the only way we can deal with things. They're the only type of players you're going to get. Do you, do you pay so, have sympathy with with Kevin Thawell and, and head of recruitment Dan Purdy? Do you guys yeah. have sympathy? Do you have sympathy, Dave, as well? Well, in terms of. <coughs> We know the difficulties we've got with the current board, what's remaining of it. We know the financial predicament. It's not their fault, like Katie's rightly said. It's not Kevin Thawell's <coughs> fault. It's not Dan Purdy, who's head of recruitment. It's not his fault. Do you have sympathy with them that they're almost facing the music, aren't they, a little bit? They're obviously going to be, like I said on the media roundup, you're judged by your success in terms of, by the end of the window, how many players have you got through the door of certain quality? At the moment, Everton have got one through. If we ended the window now, Kevin Thawell and Dan Purdy, for all their work ethic, for how much they've tried, it would be a failure on them because that's just the way it is. It's just a result business in terms of on the pitch and also in terms of the transfer market. So do you have sympathy for Thawal and Purdy? 
I'd say I, I, I do, yeah. Um, but this goes back to, to probably similar to what we said before. You know, are they being empowered to make decisions? You know, they've obviously probably got a plan by all accounts from the people I speak to. Certainly, you know, that Kevin Fellwell has got a plan mm-hmm. there, but is he allowed to do that? Is he allowed to recruit the way he wants? You know, has he got Keir Jarabuchin knocking on Mashiri's door, forcing his players on, on the football club on massive wages? And at the moment, as Katie said, we've, we've got very little money to play with. Um, I do think we're taking massive, massive gambles. I think January was a gamble. I think, you know, the fact that we all know that we needed a striker. Uh, we saw Anthony Gordon at the, uh, you know, that kind of last mm-hmm. minute deal. But you know, we all knew that deal was going to go through, you know, at least a couple of weeks before the transfer window. But not getting a striker was, was the equivalent of losing your job. Walking into a casino if you last a grand and, and putting it on zero. Um, because you know that there was just absolutely no guarantees that we were going to stay in the Premier League, and it was only probably due to the luck of God, some you know really good results from Sean Dyche, you know, in unexpected places, and, and not getting beat on the road like we were when you know when Frank Lampard was here, that we'd stayed up by the skin of our teeth, and and we're taking we are taking gambles again, you know. I know, mm-hmm. I know the Rodrigo deal certainly there was you know there's, there was a mention that there may have been some kind of provisional deal in place. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there was a bit of a to and fro with money there, and he's obviously gone for mega money now in Qatar. But if we don't seal these deals, if we say we'll walk away from this one and we'll get someone else, and then that next player goes, and then then the next player goes, and and don't forget the impact of the Saudi market at the moment. Mm. A lot of these players would have been available to Premier League football clubs, and because of the impact of the the Saudi market at the moment, some of these players are disappearing, which means there's going to be less players. There's still going to be the demand yeah. there from Everton tiered football clubs, so eventually you might end up having to pay more anyway, wages because there's going to be, you know there's, some of these players are going to be looking around and there's going to be you know Fulham's just lost, lost Mitrovic, so they're going to be in the market for a striker with a lot more money than us, with a lot more wages to be able to offer. So quickly, you know, some of these players disappear and and you are left in that last couple of days of the transfer windows. Haven't played three games, scratching your head, thinking, why didn't we offer that extra twenty grand at the start of the window? So it's a massive gamble. Um, it's not one that I think Felwell would like to be in, preferably. Mm. But it's the hand that he's been dealt. He's accepted the job. He's on big money, and you know it's a big boys game. So he, he's got to deal with it. And, and as part of that, this is why I think the club should be honest and communicate things uh, to the fans that it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, but we're going to have to be shrewd, and, and this is how we're going to do it. Whether that is free mm. transfers, loans. Anything in between, just be honest, give us a clear roadmap forward and I, I think we could at least understand some of the decision that, mm. decisions that are going on because it, it just, it's just forcing more and more frustration out of us. <coughs> it, it, interestingly, last two or three summers, um, our transfers have come at the end of July and August. Yes. So there was only um, Tarkowski and a free, uh, Venegra towards the end of July and I think the first cash buys were, were in August, uh, McNeil and Anana, albeit over terms. Probably the TV money drops and, and we can draw up against it. So, I, I, like Casey said, I'm not surprised that we haven't dealt already, but we're in a worse situation again that, that we were in last yeah. summer and the summer before. Yeah. And we're taking chances. So, it's a high stakes game, but I'd say how play, our plays out because I'm, I'm not too hopeful at the moment. We well, you say you're not hopeful. So, what is the expectation then, guys, for this window? Obviously, we are where we are at the middle of July now, one signing in. 10 have left the football club. Kate, we'll come to you first. So what are your expectations? You said earlier in this podcast that you were surprised we even had one through the door. Yeah. So what are your expectations? <coughs> Given where the current MSP deal is, where the, the board have technically left, we've got X, Y and Z on the board now. Kevin Thawan and Dan Purdy <coughs> are working with one arm tied behind their back. What is your expectation for this summer? 
I don't know. I kind of don't have one <laughs> simply because I don't expect anything off them anymore. Because you'd expect these things, you end up letting you down anyway, and then you just end up wound up with them and dead angry. I personally don't know what they're going to do. I think the only way that they can bring people in is if they go and sell somebody the likes of an honour. I know Pickford's obviously come out and said what he has this week regarding, you know, he's happy and mm-hmm. he's reiterated that. That's fantastic to me. I love Pickford. I think he's brilliant. I'd be devastated if he goes. But I understand it at the same time. Not on his part. I understand that we're probably going to have to go and sell somebody. You, as you're saying, we've sold 10 players. Well, 10 players have gone. What, you'd have to go and sell another five or six to make more money. Then your squad's even more depleted. Would you go and sell a big player who you can get money off? Mm. I'd take the big player. And, you know, unfortunately, we do have to sell to buy. That's how it is. Um, mm. And that's not me accepting that. I don't like it. I think it's disgusting. And that's because the, the club is run awfully. It's been completely run into the ground. That's why we're in this situation. But what we cannot afford, massively can't afford to do, what we've done last season, we can't go them first five games. Mm. And God love them. I'm not going to say not bring it forward in because... Felt like we didn't really, and but again, that's not that's not his fault. That's not that's not your mother's fault. They, that's mm. not their fault. Why they're here? Do you know what I mean? You know, don't aim it at them. Aim it at the ones who bloody brought him in. Aim it at the ones who didn't provide that money for a proper centre forward that we needed, that we've cried out for. By the way, we needed a centre forward to play with Lukaku. Be there with him. We didn't get one then. We sold him, never replaced him. And you're relying on a lad who, regardless of what people thought he was worth or whatever or how good people think he is or he's not, we spent one million on Dominic Calvert-Lewin six years ago. The lad is like a rice cake and it's not it's not his fault. You can't keep blaming him for being injured. It is what it is. That's, but our board know about that. Mm. We, we've known that for two years. We haven't replaced them. No, make provisions. Or we're so, like, we're never, like, proactive. We're so reactive in everything we do. We've known he's been injured for how long now? Mm. We still haven't got a centre-forward in this window. It is, it's not short of a disgrace. So you've got the first five games last season. That... That absolutely destroyed us. He wrote them off, didn't he? Effectively. Yeah, completely. Well, we haven't got nobody. He got injured before the Chelsea game, before the first game. Mm-hmm. He didn't come back for months. Yeah, it was quite a serious what, one. What the hell, like? And we didn't... And then January comes, yeah. and you don't get another one in. They're, they're basically playing with our future. That's what they're doing. And they're treating us like, you know, it's OK, it's fine, these will be all right. Fans are pulled through. so much you can swear around the, the plug hole before you fall down it. And at some point, if we don't get our asses into gear off the pitch, on the pitch, you're going to go. You, and and that's not being negative. It's being realistic to the situation. What we're so in. how many players do you think should be expected from now to the end of the window? We've got one in. How expected? Many? Yes. I'd say we need about six or seven. You'd say six or seven, Dave. I wouldn't say we're going to get that in, like, but that's it. Yeah, six, six, certainly six. Um, and it depends on the versatility. 
Uh, I think that's a huge thing as well. We, you know, we, we're going to have to sign players that can play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. James Garner's a good example. You know, we brought yeah. him in. He yeah. can play effectively two positions, right back, mm-hmm. um, centre mid, albeit Ashley Young. He can play probably a number of positions, probably four, five positions, mm-hmm. arguably, um, and, and that's going to have to be the mould of the type of players that we go for. That might define <coughs> our targets, uh, but we're going to have to try and get more out of less. It's just the way it is. Um, like Casey said, we, I mean, we can't gamble with that again. It's sad, actually, because I was sat there the other day and I, I, I was I was panicking, thinking about things and, and thinking, oh, we're going to get them forward and all. Mm. Put it to my phone, you know, fixtures, and I'm, I'm checking how many games up until the 1st of September because I'm worrying. I'm sat there worrying about... How are we going to get through and who and are we playing? And the games are winnable what? as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got so Fulham at home, Aston Villa away, um, and then we've got Wolves at home. So, you know... The two home games have got to be targeted. points. Yeah, yeah you've got to target. Minimum of four, minimum of four. And we don't want to get down to that back end of the season again where we're all thinking, where are our points coming from? Where are we going to get a point here and mm. a three point there? We need to hit the ground running and missing that pre-season is a huge thing. And I know that it's hard because of the, the money and, and all that kind of stuff and offering things on terms. They're going to have to get a forward mm. in and they're going to have to get that forward in fast because it's a feel-good factor as well. If you bring a, a decent player in and he's trading, he's scoring in pre-season and everyone's on a high, the fans are on a high, the, 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 you know, the club starts to think, you know, the players on the pitch are starting to think, got a bit of goals in his ear, you know, mm. we can go and win games. Everything carries forward. And yeah. That momentum carries into the season. But last season, as Katie said, it was disjointed. We were all, you know, there were games there that we drew that we, we probably could have went on to win. Mm. You know, I can think of a few games there, the Brentford game even away. Um, you know, they obviously took the lead. Forest, I know. Yeah, th- mm. there were games there. Chelsea, to be honest. And, and it's points, isn't it? Little points, one point here, two points there. And then all of a sudden, you know, that the, you're in that position where the manager's under pressure, nearly losing his job. on the eight ball, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and you, you, you're worrying, thinking, how, how can we get into January without losing the manager? And then, you know, you know, it's like the whole thing. It's Groundhog Day, isn't it? Mm. So it is a worry. Uh, six plays minimum, and we they're going to have to be versatile, quite a few of them. Mm. So moving on from that, something on a bit more serious note, Delhi Ali came out and spoke to Gary Neville on the Sky Overlap on YouTube and spoke about his troubles that he's had since he was a young boy, growing into a teenager, growing into an adult and into his footballing career. It was a very, very emotional interview by Delhi. Very brave as well, I think we can all say and all agree on it. Very, very brave. And Katie, we'll come to you first on this one. Delhi Ali's obviously been heavily criticised by by football fans, Everton fans, England fans, all around the UK in terms of his, his career on a decline, I think that's fair to say. And when he's since he's left Tottenham, obviously struggled to nail down a, a home. He struggled to to get a starting berth at Everton. He struggled on loan at Besiktas as well. But just touching on off the field of Deli Ali, we'll leave the on-field stuff off the field. He was very brave coming out, wasn't he? God, yeah, too brave. It was heartbreaking to be honest. I grabbed my eyes out when I watched it because you don't understand. And mm. I think you know we all forget the human beings at the end of the day. And I think. They're treated in the media like they should be robots. And we complain so often about them that they're out of touch with the real world. And, the, you know, your modern-day fan because they're on so much money. And in reality, this lad's probably so in touch with the modern-day fan because he does and has done what the modern-day fan does. Mm-hmm. He parties, and that's what he's been doing. He's doing getting caught, you know, you know on camera... On the balloons, mm-hmm. and it's just we we are we're, we're so quick to judge somebody 
I've done it myself. I'm not going to sit here and be two-faced. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie and be a hypocrite. You'd always do it yourself. You see somebody in the new, in the media and you're like, oh, he's near Divi. Whatever, but him coming out doing that gives you such a different outlook on him as a person. It makes you understand why, he's, why he does what he does and why he behaves the way he does. Yeah. But also, he just needs to arm round him and... Mm. I'm so glad that he feels that way at us and that people have... I'm glad us as a football club and, you know, our manager have, have done that to him. And he did speak players. about that, didn't yeah. he? And I'm so glad that he feels he's in an environment where he feels safe. Mm-hmm. He probably hasn't had that for a long time and he's coming to people and, you know, there's people in that dressing room. I can't even imagine the conversation what Coleman's probably had with him, do you know what I mean? He's probably made him feel 10 foot tall. I think the reaction also from the fans, what he's had, and not just Evertonians, I've seen Liverpoolians tweet him, do you know what I mean? Mm. And just be best of luck to your lad. It's more than football. You know, he's a human being at the end Mm. of the day. He's not just just a footballer, he's he's like me and you, he's just a normal lad and, you know, he's been through trauma, as he says himself, so fair play to him, so brave and best of luck to him. And um, we sorted a a little banner out of me, the 1878 and do something together. And no, it's fantastic. So it's fantastic what you guys done. have done. But you know what? I think there's there's other fans who are doing like quite similar. Mm. Show him as much love and support as you can because we're quick enough as people, not just football fans, as people to, to you know, you can be the first one to have a go at somebody. And you know, you see him and you just uh, it's 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 a natural thing of to course. do because but we think that's acceptable. Uh, but what we forget is they're just like me and you really all they're doing is their job at the end of the day. Mm. They're just earning an awful lot more money than what we are. And don't get me wrong, not every footballer is down to earth. And not just footballers, people who, you know, are in the public eye. But fair play to him. And I'm, I'm glad he's done it for himself. And me, absolutely. I'm so glad he's done it because it's like a, it looks like he's turned a bit of a corner. Mm. And I thought Gary Neville was super with him as well. I think he honest. was. I think he couldn't have done it with a better person. I have to agree no, there. One thing that Deli Ali did touch on, Dave, was that he spoke about the UK media. And he said he felt that maybe he he was doing this a little bit sooner than he would have liked because of maybe pressures from <coughs> outside circles, i.e. the UK media. It just goes to show, doesn't it, as a professional footballer, just how hot the press are on you because they knew where he was. It must be difficult for, for a professional footballer. Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head when he says about you know he's just a normal person. You know, take away his career. You know, he's a, he's a person that, as Katie rightly says, has been through trauma. You know, I've been there um, with addiction um, where I've you know fell into bottles of wine and you know before it, you, you lose weekends and then all of a sudden you're drinking in the week and you lose a week and you you know you fall out with people and your relationships starting to you know you start to become you, you know if you've got anything like anxiety and stuff like that you start to stay in and become reclusive it's it's a quick you know spiral that can happen to you before you know it you've, you you know you, you you're lost um so you know I, I i yeah i got really upset listening to it. i had to, to watch the interview actually in four parts because I kept filling up listening to him because, you know, I was reflecting on it myself and, and Casey's right, you know, I've been there where I've judged people and said stuff to people that I don't know and I think we should all pause for reflection and the older I've got, you know, I could kick myself up the backside looking back at myself years ago uh, but, you know, if you're on the internet and, and you, you, you're passing comment, just think before you tweet, you know what I mean? And, should, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't really, you know, experience tells you these things, but you shouldn't really judge anyone unless you've walked a mile in the shoes. And we're all guilty of it. 
you know, and it doesn't make it right, but you, you've got to learn, you know, you've got to, you've, you've got to look at these situations, look at these experiences and look at, you know, people talking about how it, how it hurts. Um, you know, the media in this country, are, are, quite frankly, at times disgusting. You know, I think that it's terrible that they're putting, you know, someone who's a, who suffered so much and, and has finally come out and had the bravery to, to talk about the situation, but forcing them into it much sooner than he actually wanted is wrong. You know, and it's, it, it's, I think that it, we are in a position in this country now where people have got to really think whether that is, you know, normal everyday people on social media or if you're a journalist, you mm-hmm. know, what, what is the impact of what you're writing? You know, is it actually true? What's the context behind the words that you're putting on a piece of paper? Because then words stick, you know, and, 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 and they hurt, uh, you know, and you've seen some tragic cases of people taking their own lives because of both of these things, social media and also the media, uh, the actual media themselves, the written media and, and you know, this kind of clickbait culture that we live in. So, yeah, you know, I, I think of anything, it's it's further evidence that we just do need to pause at times, reflect and, and think about what we're saying. You know, mm. and that comes as, as people and, and and also the media. No, absolutely. Both of you have cleared that up really, really well. Speaking really well, aren't they? They're just horrible. And he said to me about a clip on Amazon himself. Yeah. Mm. About the lazy the Jose Mourinho section, comments. but he said they cut out the bit where Mourinho apologised. Yeah, and and that stuck with him. <coughs> mm. And didn't he say like when he was looking for another club or looking mm-hmm. to move, managers were a bit like reluctant mm. due to that that one comment. You you don't you don't realise that I've been. You know, that's why I'm saying I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Mm. I've done it, not to the extent that, do you know what I mean? Not like personal, like that, you know, but I've had to go back, you know, online. I've took an awful lot of stick as well, do you know what I mean? But I've given an awful lot out. And mm. Some comments, what, you know, what you receive are, are absolutely shocking. But, well, we want to end this know, podcast positively. Yeah, of course. So you, you, the 1878, absolutely. So the 1878 group, which you guys are part of, have done a flag for Delhi Alley. When, when is that going to be at a ground? Um, it's going to what's the Lisbon? Is it the yeah, first it's game going to time? Lisbon, but it's going to a few ways as well. Even know he's in. Fantastic. He's still there, isn't he, in the squad? So I think it'll be at Wigan. Is it going Wigan Saturday? Saturday is it fantastic? Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be at the grounds then, and then obviously the Lisbon game, the Fulham game, the Villa game. No, absolutely brilliant. Well done, guys. That's fantastic. Before you both go, I'm going to ask you both a question. <laughs> we're in the transfer market still, so we're going to go back to the transfers. Okay. Dave, I'm going to come to you first. Everton have got one player through the door, Ashley Young. How many more players are we going to get? I'm going to say um, five. So five plus one, that's six. And Katie? Plus Ashley Young, yeah. Yep, so that's yeah. six for Dave. Yourself? Oh, God. Three plus Ashley Young, so four. And we'll come back to that at a later date when the window closes. <laughs> In the meantime, guys, keep it on all of you from the Bullings' social media channels. As always, keep it on County Red Bobblers as well with Dave, 1878s with Katie. Keep an eye on everything as always. Keep it always. Everton, in the meantime, have a great week. Take care and all the very best. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 